Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Putin. This is episode 326. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is underscore, at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing on this Friday evening? Or Thursday evening, sorry. Uh, I just realized that Canada versus France is at 9.30 in the morning tomorrow. So uh, I'm currently adjusting my schedule. <laughs> Appropriately, because uh, I guess I'm going to have my coffee with hoops, which, you know, I'm not mad at. That's, that is a good way to have coffee. Um, it is often the way I have coffee um, on weekends, except instead of basketball, I'm watching soccer, uh, which is not your sport. But uh, couldn't care less. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Especially with a name like that. Um, hey. Hey. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I'm just saying, I like cricket, okay? You know, it's in the blood. All right, you beat me to it because my next <laughs> sentence was going to be a cricket joke. <laughs> All right, well. All, the only thing I know about cricket is my guy, Sean Paul. Sean Paul plays cricket? Sean Paul. That's not his real name. Isn't his name like Shonder Paul or some Chandra shit? Paul. Chandra Paul. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they asked, they asked, uh, they've asked him and the musician Sean Paul about it because on Sean Paul's songs he's like Shonda Paul and it sounds like <laughs> the guy's actual that's name. That's actually really funny. I had no idea. And they're fans of each other. That's yeah. really funny. They're big fans of each other. They've like met. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Alright, before we get started, uh, this is not a cricket pro- podcast, surprisingly. Alright, I told before we get started, I have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at strict.land on Instagram. I'm posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has... Well, uh, oh, yeah, we have merchandise. That's what it is. Wow, what a great brain fart. <laughs> we have merchandise. Find that on our website. We have all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, even water bottles. You name it. We have got it. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday along with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Miko. That comes out every week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I random rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without... Our good friends 
at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, <clears throat> and I'll add for the Patreon, I'm going to do a bunch of FIBA shit and a bunch of b-ball index shit which relates to what we're going to talk about on this pod that is going to be exclusively for our patreon subscribers this summer so get ready for that shit if you want to scratch that itch during the off season that's going to be the spot to do it um yes all right what do we you wanted to talk about Giannis? Giannis said some stuff Giannis said some stuff. It's probably not a big deal. It's actually completely in line with uh, the kind of things he said in the past. He basically said, hey, next summer, I don't even know the exact quote, but it was something to the effect. If only we had a website we could use to find it. Look, I leave that to, you know, the help, like people like you to go pull that up. The help. Wow. Wow. uh... (laughs) What are you trying to say there, pal? Huh? (laughs) We're just living on the edge in this podcast. (laughs) Uh, I have the quote here. It is uh, okay. it's loading slowly. I only I actually only saw the uh, aggregation, so I've never read the actual quote, which is perhaps irresponsible. Some may say. Well, I'm just reading the Dunk Central quote. But guess what? I'm not a beat writer for the New York Knicks, so I don't have to do basic things like that. It's true. Uh, I would not be the best version of myself. If I don't know that everybody's on the same page, everybody's going for a championship, everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I do. And if I don't feel that, I'm not signing. This is about Giannis saying that he's not going to sign an extension in Milwaukee next summer if those conditions are ones that he's not feeling are being met. Uh, I believe he's actually extension eligible this summer if he wanted to be, but... Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, that's not normal practice. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't really... I'll put it this way. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is your thing. So I was two two things. Number one, like, um, I actually think he's done more than most other superstars. Um, <laughs> use the media to kind of apply pressure to the Bucks, and he hasn't done it in like a foul way or like a weird way or anything like that. It's basically just like, yo, I'm trying to fucking win, and there are other places that I I think are great to live and. Uh, he's talked about the city of Chicago. He's talked about, um, you know, not like he, he's not one to just automatically say like, oh, like, yes, I plan on being here my whole career. He talks profusely about how he loves Milwaukee and he just loved his time there. But he's also, um, you know, just kind of dropped it like, hey, guys, we're trying to win here, which I'm sure they know. They don't. It doesn't seem like you know, the 76ers where they're like fucking flip flopping on the fence between rebuild and compete in any given off season. Um, So this is closer to a yearly annual thing than some out of the blue kind of statement. But um, I do think it's just kind of a good reminder. The reason I thought it was interesting, it's a good reminder that like, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Joel Embiid rightfully so just because there's a shit show in Philadelphia and assuming he endures the shit show this year, He's probably not going to endure another other year of shit show. So people are talking about where he might end up, whether that might be New York. And, um, you know, the Bucks are far from a shit show. I mean, they had an awful playoff exit, but they were 
the Bucks in the regular season. And I just think it's interesting, <clears throat> you know, because if if the Bucks, I don't want to say implode, but if they begin to fall apart, they're a little more handcuffed than I think people think in terms of how they can pivot to make a championship contender. And having won a championship, Giannis knows what a championship contender looks like. So um, I think this is just his way of saying, like, hey, keep your foot on the gas to the to the ownership. And uh, it's a reminder that, like, if things don't go well, if they implode, right? Like, Drew Holiday's old. Chris Middleton's old. Like, they don't have much help beyond that. I mean, Brooke is great. They paid extra to keep him. He's old, too. Uh, there's just a little bit more collapse potential than is often talked about, um, regular season collapse, that is. And, uh, you know, if, if that stranger things have happened, then a team like that falling off. And if that were to happen, that's when it gets interesting because then the question becomes, what can the Bucks front office do, even if they're willing to shell out money, to fortify the roster, an aging roster around Giannis, right? And that's only then... Is it even worth bothering thinking about, like, might they give up and trade him? But only then, right? This is still a team that won whatever, like, 60-something games and playoff exit aside. They're probably going to win a lot of games this year. Um, yeah, I think I think it's fine that Giannis um, has said this. Because what I think is that, like... My issue is not when guys use the media to, like... one. Once you win a championship, I kind of just, like... Yeah, you can just fucking... It's an, it's an old tradition. People don't realize, like, before Twitter, for you uh, youngins listening, like, Kobe did this, like, Patrick Ewing did this, like, this is it's not... Yeah, this is not this new. This is not something new to, you know, people born Kobe, after 1990. Kobe, Kobe <laughs> did this after they won, like, they three-peated. Like, it's fine. Um, I, I don't care about that. Um... I do think it's a smart way, or not even a smart way, but it is a way for a player to keep. Like, I think he's made it clear he wants to, be, he would like to remain in Milwaukee so long as he feels like, again, as he said here, that everybody is doing the yeah. work required effectively, whatever spe- specifics that means, doing the work required that he feels is necessary to win a championship every year. I'm fine with that. Um, that should be the standard for him and for them, and that's fine. Uh, but I think it's smart of him to not commit to the franchise. Uh, they did have one of their bigger partners. I forget which one. It was two guys that came in, Lazary and Edens. One of them sold their share um, this past year. Mm-hmm. So we know when ownership changes, even if it's a minority owner. It's, it's, and I think they had like almost a 50-50 split, so it's a pretty big chunk of it um that things can change and i think it's probably good timing for him to be like hey we need to keep our pedal to the metal we need to keep trying to win championships uh and it doesn't i, I don't really I'm not surprised that he didn't sign an extension i actually don't even think it, we have to see how the cap is going to jump and all these type of things they're saying they're going to smooth it instead of having a big cap spike like they had in 2016 uh because in 2025 that's when a new tv deal get, would kick in but the way they've talked about it is that they're going to smooth it in and not just have it all jump in one year um which is fine but the point is like it may not even make sense financially for him to extend until next summer or even you know it might not even make sense for him to sign a new contract until 2025 when he does hit unrestricted free agency that's just 
the business of basketball. Um, but like, I mean, I don't think the Bucks should not be any more worried today because of this quote than they were yesterday. Like they, I think they have known they need to keep trying to win, and that as long as mm-hmm. and as long as he feels that they are giving him a chance to compete, he's happy to stay there. But this is not love forever. This is, I mean, it's not even that it's not love forever. But you know, I might love you, but maybe we're not we're not good for each other right now. That it could it could develop into that. Like if he thinks, you know, look, let's say that. Middleton and Drew look cooked this year. Brooke isn't the same guy he was last season, which is very possible considering he had like a crazy season given his age last year. Um, given all those factors, like I think he's in wait and see mode. And if those all those things go south, maybe he looks around and he's like, hey, I don't see how we and you can put a team around me in the next two, three, four years that really has a chance to compete. And maybe it's time to, to go our separate ways. Who knows? I'm not I think I think that clear eyedness is what separates someone like him from <laughs> Joel, who and I don't even, to be honest, mean that as like a slight against Joel. Joel has just been very he's so tight with like the city of Philly and the ownership in Philly. He hasn't really like people made a, a, a little bit of a fuss about like his comments about like I want to win a championship here or elsewhere or whatever like that. but like things like that are are really not regular with him like they are with Giannis and again like the way Giannis does it it's not like he's being weird about it or like annoying about it or anything he does it pretty professionally um but you get the feeling with Joel like he's put up Joel has put up with so much shit that I think other MVP candidates probably would be like are you fucking kidding me? Like, get the fuck out of my face. This is stupid. Um, like, like we alluded to before, like it, before Twitter, anyone, guys ranging from Patrick to Jordan to Kobe, whoever you want to pick, <laughs> like they were very quick to, to voice concerns publicly with beat writers and ESPN and local media and stuff throughout the years. And, um, Compared to them, you don't really see that much of that from Joel. So I, I, I actually think what Giannis is doing is more in line with these crazy, insane competitors of years past. And um, I take him for his word, So, which is why. And I think the Bucks do too, which is why they've consistently paid out the ass for guys um, perhaps above what they're valued. Like Drew and Brooke Lopez, like they're both awesome players. Are they both overpaid? Yes. But guess what? The Bucks got to do what they got to do, man. Yeah, and um, in Drew's place, they or in Drew's position, they I mean they took a huge risk mm-hmm. uh, trading out a huge trade package for him. So um, I mean, look, that paid off. So it is what it is. Even though he's a complete fucking shitter in the playoffs, um, I got that chip. Yeah, no thanks to his shooting from the field. <laughs> fucking bum. Um, all right. Uh, I mean, look, I, we haven't talked about this on the pod. I did do a Q&A with Mike Kasdan, which is really good, about the Knicks filing a lawsuit against the Raptors. I think you Shout out Mike Kasdan, the NYU IP law professor, making the rounds yeah, on yeah, yeah. the uh, world of basketball internet online. Has He must have done four or five pods in like two days. Yeah, I saw three um, separate ones today. Um, 
Yeah. All so after hours. Him. All after hours. All after hours. We didn't tweet this, but you motherfuckers know who got it first. <laughs> Let the record show. <laughs> first, like we used to say back in the fucking forums. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, and PNT. Uh, yeah, so... I mean, that wasn't unique to PNT. <laughs> I, no, I was... I wasn't too much on the forum. I wasn't on the, you know, what was it? Wait, you were on like the Hip Hop DX forums, right? That was you? I was on fucking all the forums of everything you could imagine, bro. <laughs> the One Piece forums. Um, Look, man. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I talked about this a lot. Uh, I'll just let you share whatever thoughts you have on this. I mean, I- I'm assuming everybody that is listening to this already knows, like, at least the made the the main background on it it's not that complicated uh the knicks think that azatom i think azatom uh that's the employee that left them to take an offer with the raptors they believe and i think they have pretty strong evidence that he took uh files of theirs with them via synergy uh he also shared the knicks synergy login it seems with uh, the Raptors and very specifically their coach, their rookie head coach, Darko Ryakovich, who uh, a Raptors fan in our stream on Tuesday, very, very upset that I was mispronouncing his name as Rajakovich. So thank you for getting upset with me and correcting me. Ryakovich, uh, Darko Ryakovich. Um, and, you know, he's named as a defendant in the lawsuit, which is kind of... I mean, look, they took some very nice gratuitous shots at him in the lawsuit as well, but I mean, that's the basics of it. That's the the broad broad strokes. Is that this is what the Knicks have filed a lawsuit about? Um, so I don't know, Prez. I, I I guess I'll give you a little prompt, but like I, I've seen a lot of the general reaction is like, you know, it's just synergy clips. It's just a you know, it's, he's probably just taking stuff clips that he's made and and uh, data that he's compiled and assembled and and calculated and all this shit. Uh, and he's, it's just his stuff. And he, you know, that it was just faster and that's what happened. It's not that big a deal. The Knicks are making a huge mountain out of a molehill here. That seems to be the broad contest, but I will say this. I do think it's worth noting. There has been a lot of radio silence from the, from the Wojas of the world, the Shams of the world, the big news, news breakers of the world regarding this case. And even a lot of the podcast sphere the major ones, anyway, have not talked very much about this, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, the science is interesting. I mean, what grinds my gears about this the most is just the whole the defense of this under the guise of, like, well, there are norms, and the norms entail taking your research and materials with you from team to team, um and as well as the argument that like well everybody has synergy it's just clips everybody has access to clips and i'll tell you why this kind of annoys me personally it's not even like a i'm a knicks fan kind of thing like i do draft work right and you do. i do this shit for fun i don't <laughs> i don't get paid for it unlike a lot of people on draft twitter who are younger and really ambitious and really hard working I'm not trying to make a career out of this. There's a lot of people on draft Twitter who are in college or fresh out of college who are trying to make it to teams in the league. They're watching games twice, Pib style. They're watching fucking random early season 
mid-major games and shit like that. And they're going hard. And I'm not even going as hard as those folks on my job stuff. But I put in a lot of time to it. And I have particular things in my own armchair, back of the napkin research that I'm proud of. You know, like everybody on Twitter knows I spend an inordinate amount of time on shooting projections and shooting mechanics and seeing if it's possible to project when changes to a jump shot result in a better jump shot or what statistical or visual signs a prospect might have that indicate they have a bright future as a shooter and things like that. And, you know, a lot of that took time. And a lot of the stuff that goes into that is looking at, yep, plain-ass video clips that you can see on Synergy in slow motion on different types of ways. It goes, a lot of the work is categorizing that, it's annotating that. Um, in the Knicks complaint, they talked about not just clips, but notes and annotations that were moved from uh, this guy's Knicks account to his Gmail and all that. And I got to say, like, I work pretty hard at this for fucking fun. And if I was actually paid to do this, I would work on it 10 times harder. 10 times harder. And if, like, yes, would I want to take that with me from one team to another? Sure. But guess what? If I was doing that on behalf of an employer and they were like, hey, we hired you because you do all this fucking work and that's proprietary and you're doing it for our team, not for yourself as an individual consultant, then I would understand that my work that I do has to stay with that organization. Otherwise, I would do what many other people do and be a consultant. Lots of people do that. It's a very common profession in the NBA. There's more basketball consultants probably than there are analytic staffers on most teams, right? Like, Cranjus has come on our pod. He's a consultant. He can share whatever the fuck he wants and keep his files wherever the fuck he wants because he doesn't work for a team. There's players who have individual statisticians who work for them. Kevin Durant, back in his OKC Thunder days. Yeah, notorious loser, Kevin Durant. 20s, notorious loser. Had a personal consultant to look at his analytics yeah. and provide him feedback. Don't take half-court heaves, so, like, Kevin. It'll ruin your true shooting Don't percentage. take half-court heaves, Kevin. Fucking exactly. Bomb. Look, clearly <laughs> Kevin Durant had a consultant and Russ didn't at that time. I'll say that much. But like, my point is, like, if somebody else were able to benefit from my work who I didn't intend... I'd feel the type of way of that. And that's, of course, a little bit different from the situation because you have the same analyst going from one team to another. But we're talking about a Nick Synergy file or folder. What if it was someone I was working with who took my work and then pieced out to the fucking Toronto Raptors? I'd be fucking furious. I have a lot of confidence that I'm better at projecting shooting than almost everybody on NBA and draft Twitter. And like I said, that's as me doing this shit for fun. So I think, you know, a lot of people are just writing this shit off as like, it's inevitable that everybody gets the same stats and gets the same conclusions from it, which seems fucking idiotic. There's a reason the Knicks have the biggest staff in the NBA. They have a lot of money. They make a lot of money and they spent a lot of that on analytic staffers and the more money you spend on something like that, the more you should be entitled to defend that shit. Full stop. I don't give a fuck what the norms are, what teams have done in the past. We're only getting more and more data every season as 
arenas, practice facilities, install Hawkeye, Hawkeye tracking systems, install the NOAA shot tracking systems. You got fucking thousands of frame rates per second capture of uh, mechanical movements of players up and down the court. Like, this is un- like pretending that the data and the way it's categorized and annotated, whether it's synergy or some other shit, is just inevitably going to be equally distributed and equally beneficial from team to team. Assuming that is going to hold is a fool's errand. Like, the NBA is much closer right now to baseball than it is to, like, where basketball has been in the past, where that shit becomes a true advantage. And you need not look any further than the New York Knicks, who had a top-five offense despite having no fucking business having a top-five offense in terms of their ability to put the ball in the hoop, the most basic thing you can track in basketball. And the reason was because they're a hyper-analytical franchise, which all of these motherfuckers who want to insist that this is no no big deal or that they know for sure it's no big deal because, you know, maybe it is no big deal, but you don't know that shit. Um, you know, the Knicks are a hyper-analytic team, even though they don't get viewed as such and they're not respected as such outside of the league, inside of the league. I'm pretty sure they are. Um, so I don't know why it's surprising to people. Um, so that's my rant. I think it's... I don't know. It's just fucking weird behavior. And it just... It's, it's just weirdo behavior. Like, there's no analog for this in other professions. Um, there's just not. Not in tech. I don't work in tech, but I know enough about that shit to know that. Um... Yeah, and I, I think uh, – so look, there's two parts to this. The part that you're talking about where it's like, well, it's his work. We don't fucking know what was taken. We don't know the specifics of it. You can sit there and be like, well, it's probably his work. Okay, fine, probably. Probably is. Great, but there's – what chances that it's not? And what, what, if, what if 90% of it is work, but 10% is somebody else's who's still with the organization? Or with another organization, or doesn't really matter. But like ten percent is not his, you know. It, it doesn't. If he's taking, if he's just taking his shit, I can at least have some sympathy for that. And I honestly would feel like if it's just his shit, it'll probably end up being a very, very light slap on the wrist type situation and whatever. One, um, if you're as a Tom. Maybe hide your corporate espionage a little bit better. Like, try a little bit. Yeah, yeah. This is like... He was grossly stupid in how he went about it. And the last thing I'll add real quick is, even if it was, quote-unquote, his shit, guess what? Like, when you have an analytic staff of 10, 15 people, these motherfuckers are not not talking to each other. They're not working in a vacuum. This isn't, again, this isn't some, like, lone wolf just going through fucking synergy on his own, like me and Schwinn when we're bored between podcasts. Like, he's part of a team of analytics people. I know to a lot of people, some of whom have been on our podcast, the idea that you could have more than two or three people working together to break ground on analytics is probably new and foreign because they didn't have that shit when you were working on analytics back in the day. But guess what? That's what happens when you have a team of nerds working on data science. They work together. It's hard to divorce one person's work from the team.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.